The following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. So Sammy X and I went to the States to do some interviews. I'll tell you how that went in just a minute. Uh, one of the places we went to was Las Vegas. And I said to Sammy X, well, you know, I'm doing all the running around and having some fun going to the buffets and strip clubs. What would you like to do? She said, I'd like to go to Sam's Town because I'm a big fan of the killers. So I said, well, where's that? You have to catch a bus out there. Now, let me explain this to you. If you ever get really old and sick and you're broke... Um, and your kids won't look after you before you die, then go to Sam's Town, because you fit right in there. For the record, I had a great time at Sam's Town. Yeah, okay, so we had like two and a half hours until the next bus (laughs) gets you out of there. Let me tell you this, we couldn't get back on that bus fast enough. We were pushing old people out of the way to get back on the bus, just so we wouldn't be stuck in Sam's Town. You still had a good go at that buffet, though, didn't you? buffet was another world. Four dollars. Four dollars, all you can eat. And then the other thing we did was we went to Conan O'Brien to have a look at that. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a TV show being filmed. But Christ, it's tedious. And I'll tell you why. Because the warm-up guy has the job of making everybody so hyper-excited, like you see with Alan and Oprah and people like that. The reason why they're like that is because they've been hyped beyond existence. And the warm-up guy does this whole thing where if you look like you're slightly unimpressed, they make you stand at the front, don't they? And they make you, they humiliate you. Yeah, so the guy was picking people out of the audience who weren't clapping hard enough, yeah. bringing them down to the front and humiliating them in front Making of them the dance. rest of the audience. Making them dance and do stuff like that. So we're like, uh, you know, thinking, okay, this is fine. The warm-up starts and then there's more warm-up and then they show you how to be really excited. Then the applause lights come on and then they show you how to stand up and cheer. Band yes. plays three songs. Before this, you have to sit in the car park in the middle of nowhere in Los Angeles for two hours First to of all, you've got to get to the you car park. You've got to get park. there. So anyway, we're sitting there. We're like trying, you know, like he's looking around the room going, now remember what I said to you 20 times, 20 minutes ago, you've got to be excited when Conan comes out. Because if Conan comes out and he feels like you don't have the vibe for his show, he's not going to have a good show. And neither are we. Like you, sir. Go and stand down the front. So stand the exit like, yeah, it's the greatest show ever. My hands were numb from clapping. Man. And then, as you mentioned, the band comes out and then Conan comes out. Jeez, he's not happy, is he? You know what? There's a bitter and twisted guy if ever I've seen one. He was unhappy about his life. In fact, I wondered how unhappy he was about his life. I thought, what's wrong with him? And then I looked on Wikipedia, and I'm actually a month older than him. So, you know, it made me ah. feel like, yeah. Yeah, maybe we weren't clapping hard enough. We weren't maybe that's clapping hard enough. You know, yeah, exactly. So that's the experience. If you ever go to one of those shows, make sure you're enthusiastic from the get-go. We did make it onto the television, though. We're on TV. Yeah. And no, we didn't get a car. Hello, Woof. Woof. It's Woof. woof, woof. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, Woof, here's a funny story for you. So while Sammy and I, uh, X and I were in Los Angeles, so we were sitting in a food court in a shopping center in Los Angeles, and this big fat Mexican walks past with a t-shirt on it that says "Wolf." And I said, "Quickly, take a photo of that guy, <laughs> but don't let him see you taking the photo because he's going to be weird, you know." And so you got a photo of him, but it wasn't a great photo, right? It wasn't a great photo. You can see that it says "Wolf," but it's not great. No, it wasn't great. So he walked off to go to the men's room, and I said, "Well, here's what I'll do: I'll follow him in there, and then I'll walk out behind him." Uh, you know, sort of 
ambivalently walking behind him, but pointing to the back of him so you can see the Wolf t-shirt, right? And then we'll put that on Facebook and Wolf will think it's the most hilarious thing. So I'm going to the toilet with this guy. And I don't know if you've ever stalked another man in the toilet, but it's not something that you can do quite easily because he was there doing his thing and I didn't even need to do my thing, so I'm standing there pretending to do my thing. Anyway, and he goes off and washes his hands and I'm there standing there washing my hands. And I could see him looking back at me like, why is this hombre following me in the toilet? And... Something weird's going on here. But anyway, so he forgot about me and he walks out and I'm standing about a foot behind him, just behind him. I'm thinking this is going to be the funniest photo in the world and Wolf's going to see this and he's going to just laugh his ass off. So this Mexican's looking over his shoulder at me right behind him. I was breathing down his neck and I get back to the table and Sammy X hasn't even been paying attention. You didn't even get the bloody photo. You were too busy on Facebook. I was just completely zoned out. I forgot what you were doing. So I stalked a fat Mexican for you, Wolf, and there is no evidence of it. I'm sorry about that. Alex is here from thebigsmoke.com.au. How are you, mate? So a recent study found that men on Tinder swipe right literally to everyone, and this is making women miserable. Is that right, Alex? You know, one in ten single Australians use Tinder. Really? That's the statistics. Right. And a study was done in the UK that found that 98% of men that use Tinder, and just to clarify, it's people that just go on the site and swipe through women, yeah. actually say yes to pretty much every woman. Right. So there's no discernment. Okay. They don't really like you if you got matched with them. It's right. just luck. And it's a lot to do with more of an ego-driven attempt to see how many girls were like them. Explain this to me, because I've never, ever used it, and I don't, I'm not familiar. I overcompensating with this whole, I've never used it. I mean, I've been on Grinder. I've had a few great <laughs> nights out. Can you swipe left or not? Yeah, swipe left is saying... I don't want them. Right, and swipe swiping right, right is like, I'm into this. And then they know that you've swiped right. Yeah, and right. then if they swipe right to you, you get matched. Right. It's but expression. you know what? Women go into it expecting to really meet someone a lot of the time. And that's yeah. where the problem is. Because guys are saying yes to everyone. Women are saying yes to only a few that they like. So then they get matched and they get excited. Then 7% of men actually message them. It's a vortex of rejection. So this is giving us the darker side of the phenomenon in so far as it's taking people's confidence away. It's... Yeah, women's. And then right. it makes women disposable to men because if you they get rid of that woman, you can have 10 women on the turn table. But isn't it also women swiping men to the right as well? Does that go on? Not well, as the much. left. The left. Let's say no. Yeah, I mean, but right. you, you don't know. But in saying that, I know two people and one of them works for me at the Big Smoke who actually met her current boyfriend on Tinder. Wow. And I'm talking like a real relationship, not like a creepy internet one. My favourite. And have you been on Tinder? No. Because you don't want to get I involved? I downloaded it for three hours. Yeah. And then I saw everyone I knew and I deleted it. Yeah, all your ex-boyfriends on no, there. No, no, like people I actually work with. All the in hearts the media. broken. Everyone knows you. Yeah, well, that's why I'm on toilet doors. But listen, <laughs> here's the thing. If you were on Tinder and you saw your boss on it, it would give you a completely different level of thought process about your boss, right? I just feel like it's the judgment tool of 2016. Oh, yeah. Well, that and everything else. And you know what? I feel like it's just such a waste of time. Like, you're just sitting there swiping through people. I judge people on Facebook anyway. I don't need another app for it. I like to meet men the old-fashioned way, you know, in dark alleys. Yeah, of course. Bigsmoke.com.au. Thanks, Alex. Gazzo? Oh, look, it's great to have you back, Phil. I did miss you, I'll be honest. Hey, listen, let's talk about the cult. What a great band. And uh, as Ian Asprey once said, there is no higher authority than the heart. 
except for Jim Morrison, who he replaced probably with a higher authority in mind. So they've got a new album out called Hidden City. They're going to be doing, that's their 10th studio album. They're going to be doing a tour of Australia. Yes, they are. Uh, just the East Coast, uh, Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne in November. Well, it's Australia as far as we're concerned. If you live in Perth, <laughs> bad luck is your own stupidity. And I think Ian will be bringing his Aussie wife uh, also from Melbourne with him as well. Right. So I look forward to catching up with her. She's a dear friend of mine. Oh, there you go. So they're going to be doing all the big hits and also some stuff from the latest album, including this track, Dark Energy. He is the cult. There you go, that's the cult, Dark Energy. Look out for them on the Australian tour. So your chance to go along and see this big gig. It's going to be fantastic. Richie Sambora and Orianthi, who are going to come in as well and be our rubber bands playing live. Trish, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? How do you think you're going to go with the big music quiz that doesn't suck because it's got no Z-list celebrities and nobody dances? I'll give it my best shot. Okay, 90 seconds. Stay on the phone with the correct answers. If you don't know the answer, then I'm just going to have to hang up on you because there's no passing. And you can't take 20 seconds to go and Google the answer either, okay? (laughs) Yeah, okay. I know how it works. I've been a radio station competition listener as well. Okay, so here we go with question number one. 90 seconds on the clock. Tommy Lee was married to which Baywatch star? Pamela Anson. That's right. Next question. Ziggy Stardust was the alter ego of which artist? David Bowie. Creep and Karma Police were songs by which band? Radiohead. You're doing well. All the small things and What's My Age Again were songs by which band? No, some people think of them as God, but they're not. Darren... Hello. All the small things and what's my age again were songs by which band? Blink 182. Suicide Blonde was a hit by which band? That would be in excess. Bullet with Butterfly Wings was sung by which band? It's got me there. Don't know. Ah, Jordan. Yes. Bullet with Butterfly Wings is sung by which band? Oh, Ah. Keith. Hello. Bullet with Butterfly Wings is sung by which band? Bullet with Fresh and Pumpkin. That's right. The Super Jesus is fronted by which enigmatic Australian singer? Um. Gotta go and leave it there. Hey, Wolf, how are you? Wolf, Wolf, Wolf. Who's the lead singer of Super Jesus? Wolf? Oh, Super Jesus. Yes. You run out of time. Greg! How are you there? Do you know the lead singer of Super Jesus? Uh, no. Well, that's a big shame. Oh. However, you were on the phone when yeah. the 90 seconds ran out, so that means you've got the tickets. Beautiful. I know, you're as amazed as awestruck as I am. Who could believe that? I've done a Bradbury. You have done the Bradbury. So it's Richie Sambora and Orianthi. It's the RSO. They're in town in September. Book now at Ticketek. Of course, you don't need to do that because you've got yourself the double pass. On you, Greg. Or as we call you, Mr. Bradbury. Beautiful, beautiful. So while we were away, they did a uh, poll on the radio website about the best nighttime shows. So it's kind of good news and bad news, Sammy X. Right. Well, the bad news is that we didn't win. Oh. But the good news is we beat quite a few other shows. Ah. So I think, you know, we were fifth overall. Fifth isn't bad. We're still on a new show. Well, there you go. That's right. I mean, the love god was there, um, and he deserves to be because, well, let's face it, he's the oldest man on radio, older than me. So there you go. Is he still on radio? I don't know. And the other guy that beat us was uh, the, the guy that does Nights on Nova. Well, you know, 
I think he deserves a bit of a leg up because he's still at school. Um, <laughs> he does so the got show. every every age possible in That's this right, poll. Yeah. I mean, he's still sixteen or fifteen, I think. Right. But he does. You know. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we've got 50. So uh, we've felt fifth, but I did notice that somebody made a, a, a comment on the page and said that Phil should be number one with all of his bong-smoking listeners. Did someone say that? Yeah. I didn't realise that we had so many listeners pulling cones at the moment as we speak. No, I didn't know that no. either. I smoke two joints in the morning. I smoke two joints at night. I smoke two joints in the afternoon. And why that, while that may not necessarily be the best thing to sell, you know, from a point of view of, well, if you're Bunnings, you want to, you know, have the most amount of stoned listeners, with the advent of medicinal marijuana, it's a good chance for us to climb up that radio ratings ladder like you wouldn't believe, you know what I mean? Think of the sponsorship. <laughs> there I don't you know. go, but not from Bunnings, so there you go. But anyway, so if you are currently out of your brain, man, on the wacky... Well, then you've come to the right show. This is for you. In the rubber room, this is Ugly Phil. And now here's a smoking tune to make you feel nicely toasted. Bohemian Rhapsody Cream When Sammy X and I were in Los Angeles, we went to the Rainbow because they were about to do the unveiling of the Lemmy statue. And while sitting there having a burger, there was this woman sitting behind us and she was in her, I guess, late 40s going on and on about, oh, this time Axel and I and this time Slash and I. And what was it she said about Izzy? I don't know, but she said it very loudly. Very loudly. So everyone in the room could hear, you know, and we're like, oh. Oh, really? Rolling our eyes. Who's this woman? Anyway, it turns out that some fan turns up and sits next to her with a book. And then, of course, our interest was piqued. It's like, now we wanted to know who she was. Who did she turn out to be? Oh, I've completely forgotten. But she, I think she was the, she was Guns N' Roses' manager, like, way back in the day. And I also think she might have managed um, Motley Crue as well. Yeah, Margaret or something, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Could, I don't know. can't remember. Anyway, you were supposed to find out who she was by running off to the toilet when she went to the toilet as well. But that never happened. Well, I was going to go in there and, you know, have a chat and, yeah. you know, get an interview with her, but yeah. yeah never happened. But anyway, uh, now Guns N' Roses will be here in February, which is a bit of a shame it's not January, because then we could rename the whole month of January Gunnery, like we did when the Foo Fighters toured in February and we called it Fubri. But I'm racking my brains trying to think of any connection to February that we could rename it for Guns N' Roses, and I can't think of anything. Well, really, it's a shame they're not here in November if we're going to go down that well, route. Well, there you go. Maybe one triple three five three. Can you think of any creative way we can rename February after Guns N' Roses, either with an album title? Man, if it was January, Gunnery would have been absolutely brilliant, right? Anybody got any ideas? How are you, Darren? Good, mate. How are you? What are you thinking? I'm thinking February. February. Uh, sounds a bit Catholic. What about February? Yeah, I'm taking that. I'm not running with it, but I'm standing here on the sidelines hoping nobody tackles me. All right, sweet. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Not too bad, yourself. What do you think? Well, keep it simple. Just have the whole month of Guns N' Roses. It doesn't really work in with February, though, does it? Guns N' Roses beery. Yeah, true. What do you think, Dave? 
I think it should be Guns and Rosebury. Yeah, Guns and Rosebury might be growing on me now. Too easy. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm thinking maybe Rosary. Right. Yeah, rosary, we're thinking about that. But again, people think we've just converted to Catholicism. What about actual rosary? Can I get back to you about it? <laughs> of course you can. Hey, Paul, how are you? Well, I don't think Gunsbury would be too good. That sounds too much like terrorist-type shit. Yeah, thanks, man, for bringing everybody down. Yeah, roses and happy. What are you thinking, Lockie? Hey, mate, how you going? Good, man. Yeah, it's good. Um, I've got Feby Roses. Feby Roses. Yeah, we're kind of getting into a pattern here. I like it. Thanks, man. Anyway, so Richie Sambora with Orianthe on the Australian tour. Going to be happening and tickets available all this week as well. You can win that. Another chance tomorrow night. Margaret Court Arena in Melbourne on September 27 to see Richie Sambora. Enmore Theatre, Sydney, uh, September 29. And Eaton's Hill Hotel in Brisbane on September 30. And a really, really, really nice guy, by the way. Richie Sambora. We'll have to get him to come in and be perhaps a rubber band one night. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I remember meeting him in the mid-90s. It was some kind of record company thing. And he was just fantastic. But unfortunately, there was liquor there. And I got drunk. Like, really, really, Uh really drunk. Well, that's unlike you. Yeah, it is. And I was smashed. And um, I didn't realise how bad it was until the record company showed us photos. Here's a keepsake photo for you of you with, you know, Richie Sambora. And I was wearing a shirt, and it was a light-coloured shirt. And the front side of it on the right-hand panel was just completely saturated where I got so drunk I poured alcohol all over myself. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not a a story I'm proud of. But um, it happened. Do you still have the photo? Because I'd love to do that as a throwback Thursday. Throw up Thursday, more like. (laughs) Hello, David Towers. Thanks for getting on the Rubber Room Facebook page. And Veronica Edwards as well. And Nikki Prakash, how are you? Trotty Z-Cat. And also James Pullen. Good to have you there. Get on the Rubber Room Facebook page if you can. Now, whilst in America, and I'm going to keep going on about it because there'll be other things to talk about, but some American person said to me that Massachusetts is called Massachusetts because Germans can't say Massachusetts. No, they can't say Massachusetts, so they call it Massachusetts. And I said, that's rubbish, that's crap, you've made that up. But he convinced me that it was true. So much so that I'm going to call someone in Germany to see if it's true that they can't say Massachusetts. Oh, yes, uh, Magnus Magnuson. Um, could you please say Massachusetts? What do you mean? Could you say Massachusetts? Do you like to reserve a room or what? If you could say Massachusetts for me, that would be uh, a good start. Massachusetts. Is it a guest or what? Um, in America. Massachusetts. Yes. And you like to reserve there or what? No, I'd just like to hear you say it. Could you say it, please? Massachusetts. Why I should say that? I'd like to hear you. Uh, no. Please? I'm sorry. Just once? No. Just once? No. One time? No. One little time? No. One little, little I can time. help you with to, room, uh, to book rooms, but I don't repeat the word. What? You, won't, you, won't say, you won't say Massachusetts? Why should I say that? I'd like to hear it. Yeah, but I don't have t- time for that. Of course you don't. Really. If you said it, though, we'd you know, all be able to go on with our lives. Just no, one sorry. Little, one little Massachusetts. No, I don't say A that. A baby sorry. Massachusetts. Okay. I don't know what I'd like to like book to in there. My name is Mr. Massachusetts. Are you are Mr. Massachusetts. Thank you. It's all oh. right. <laughs> As the years went by and the child grew to maturity, he found himself possessed of amazing physical powers. Now that's a face for radio. And now, the rubber room. Triple M. So, Dr. Kevin Dutton's on the phone, psychologist from the UK. 
He's just done this report about the top 10 jobs for psychopaths. Been some great interest worldwide about this list that you've done too. Yeah, I know. It's quite, a, it's quite an interest, isn't it? So we're talking about the traits of extreme self-confidence, egocentricity, charm, fearlessness, but with the coldness of heart and an indication of psychopathicness. When psychologists like myself use the word psychopath people usually think of you know images of Ted Bundy but actually psychopaths are a specific group of individuals with a distinct subset of personality characteristics and you got it ruthlessness fearlessness self-confidence focus coolness under pressure mental toughness charm and those kind of deficits in empathy and conscience psychopathic traits can get you up the ladder psychopathic traits can actually help you be good at your job if you do have the requisite skill set to do your job then certain psychopaths characteristics can actually help you capitalise on your natural ability in, in a number of professional arenas. Do you know what's funny is a lot of people will be listening to this like I did and imagining the people that you've described and going, yes, I know that person and I work with that kind of guy. Let's go through the list because the other thing people will be wanting to know is, are they on the list? The top 10 professions, well, number 10 is a bit of a, a catch-all, really, civil servants. So they're people that work for the government. They could be anything from spies to people that just work behind the desk at Actually, so that really doesn't tell us too much about that. People who answer the phone when you haven't paid the fine. <laughs> yeah, they're the people who didn't quite make it to James Bond, actually, Phil, <laughs> but they're doing something else. Number nine is an interesting one, chef. So that's quite... Uh, I mean, if you think about what a, top, what a chef has to do, he has to work in a very uh, hot environment, in a kitchen under a lot of pressure. It's not a job for the faint-hearted, especially if you're getting to the upper echelons of being a chef. Number eight is an interesting one, and that's people from the church. So clergy people were in there. <laughs> now, if you think about it, being in the church is just like being at the top of any other business, really. You've got a lot of control over people. One clergy person at Cambridge University once told me something. I don't believe in God. I'm just good at him. <laughs> I mean, so then you've got number seven. You've got police officers. They're high on fearlessness. They're high on being cool under pressure. They're high at stress resistance and also social dominance. That's actually not too much of a surprise. That's been shown before. Right. Uh, then we got, now, now this is interesting, number six is journalists. You tend to find that psychopaths do well in certain kinds of professions. So these are generally professions where you've got, where the stakes are higher, where you have to be under pressure, you've got to remain cool. Dr. Kevin Dutton has done research into the top 10 jobs for psychopaths, and the media is at number three. I think that should have got high, just quietly. Although surgeons are at number five, I see. I mean, imagine you've got the skill set to be a great surgeon, except for the fact that you can't disassociate yourself emotionally from the person who you're operating on. Mm. It's not going to work, is it? You know, one surgeon actually told me, he was a neurosurgeon, one of, one of the UK's top neurosurgeons, he actually told me one of the things which separates out a great surgeon from a good surgeon is quite simply the ability to make a decision. Whether that decision is right or wrong is almost secondary. You've got to be able to call it wow. under extreme pressure. Number four, yep. salespeople, that's not really going to surprise too many people, is it? Psychopaths are brilliant manipulators. They're brilliant persuaders. They're very good at kind of slipping inside our emotional airspace like what I call psychological cat burglars. Right. And they're able to push those hot buttons that really kind of get the rest of us going. So salespeople, not surprising 
think it is a psychopathic characteristic to be very persuasive, to be very charming, to have that superficial charm and to be manipulative. Three media, and there is no truth that radio people are narcissistic, psychopaths. We should have just been at number one. Let's get to number two. Which is lawyers. I'm sure that's not going to come as too great a surprise either. <laughs> I was interviewing a barrister over here in the UK, and he actually said when you go into a court of law, actually one of the things you've got to remember is that it's a competition between you and the opposing barrister, and information goes round people's heads like electricity round the circuit. It takes the path of least resistance. So the key to winning a case is not necessarily presenting the truth, but it's about presenting an argument that the jury finds more believable than your opponent's argument. Uh, But number one, if we come up to number one, you should have a bit of a drum roll here. Yeah, I haven't got one, but I'll make one. Hang on. There you go. Okay, number one is CEOs. Again, not really too surprising either. Imagine you've got the strategic and the financial smarts to be a top businessman. You can have all the Harvard MBAs under the sun, but if you lack the ruthlessness to fire people who aren't pulling their weight or the coolness under pressure to ride out a storm or the balls to take a calculated risk when appropriate, again, you're not going to make it as a top CEO, are you? There can be a positive side to these characteristics like fearlessness, like ruthlessness, coolness under pressure, self-confidence, emotional detachment, what we've just been talking about, I don't think they're particularly dysfunctional on their own. Actually, they become dysfunctional if they're used at the wrong levels and in the right context. Right, Use yeah. them in the right levels and in the right context, they can predispose you to success. Kevin, really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for being on The Rubber Room. Absolute pleasure, Phil. See you, mate. How'd you go? Was your job on the list? Hello to all the CEOs that are listening as well. Cool and calm under pressure. I added that last bit just in case our CEO was listening. Don't want to come in tomorrow and he says, uh, did you say I was a psychopath? Okay, no, no, that was Sammy X. Hang on a minute. <laughs> He's a very handsome, charming man. Good. Stick Quick, with that. more stuff like that. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Rachel Corbett is here, TV and radio commentator, and black belt in gin and tonics. Hey, I went and saw the remake of Ghostbusters. I've got to tell you, they shouldn't do remakes of classics. Yeah, I'm unsure about this as a concept. I just don't think they ever do it justice. No. We all remember the remake of Hey Hey It's Saturday, right? <laughs> Didn't it turn into a hypnotism show in the end? It never works. All of these, this sense of nostalgia and love that we have for these things from the 80s and 90s, that were great at the time were great at a time when we didn't have things like the internet, you know, and when we weren't watching things like Game of Thrones and when we didn't have a million options of what we could do with our spare time, you know, entertainment was a much simpler thing back then. Yes. So when you try and yank those sort of 1980s concepts into the present day, I think it always falls flat on its face. Well, they always get the wrong people too. They're always like the millennials are involved in it. But the original cast were people in their 30s and 40s, I've noticed too. Uh, If it's an extension of the original film, I like that. But just to completely remake a film, it never, ever, I agree with you, like there was a remake of Point Break. If Gary Busey's not in a film, I don't want to see it. Yeah, the other thing that they tend to do lately is go with the female version, which they've done with Ghostbusters. Why? You know, they've gone a bit, all 2016, let's remake it and, you know, sexual equality and all this stuff. No, 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 no. Ghostbusters will forever be the original cast of Ghostbusters. It's like the conversation they're having at the moment about whether or not they should make a female James Bond. 
What a, a ridiculous thing to do. What a ridiculous character James Bond was. I'm glad you brought that up because he was just a creepy middle-aged uncle. Those early films, because, you know, everybody talks about James Bond as the, you know, great film series of our time. And I've watched the end sort of, I think I started to get involved around about Pierce Brosnan time. But yeah. I never watched any of the early ones. So I thought, you know what, it is my obligation as somebody in the media to go and watch these cultural movies sure. and get across them. What a pile of crap those early terrible. ones was. Absolutely James, I mean, Roger Moore was just a creepy uncle, the wisecracking man, and the way the women were just portrayed as just sex objects. When Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, terrible. <laughs> when you're also watching James Bond films now that have the kind of CGI that mean that in the last James Bond film, you know that Daniel Craig wore gloves and there was a continuity problem. He shouldn't have worn gloves, so they CGI'd off the gloves, right? So right. in the bit where he's wrestling the Komodo dragons, he did have gloves on that time. So that's the kind of level of CGI we have now. Yeah. Then you go back to the early days, and it's basically like the aeroplane flies across the screen on a ruler, yeah. you know, that's being <laughs> sort of... string. With that in mind, I think they should remake Bridesmaids with an all-male cast. Yeah, I think Bridget Jones' Diary with a bloke, the, you know? Yeah, that's if right. If we're going to get into the level of minutiae... <laughs> the rock. That's it. Brilliant. <laughs> going to touch it, Rachel Comet. Hey, Sammy X, get in here. And also, let's have a chat with Alex from thebigsmoke.com.au as well. And this stems from the fact that Sammy X buys herself cheap $9 bottles of wine. Yeah, is okay. that considered cheap? It was it a $3.99 one I saw. Oh. So I said, lower. why don't you get yourself some goon and then you'll get twice the alcohol for less price. I'm not entirely sure what goonie is. It's a cask. You're shrugging as well, Alex, because you don't have goon either. I was a passion pop girl. Yeah, well, that's cheap and nasty, so the goon will be all right. And afterwards, you take it out of the box and you've got yourself a really nice silver pillow for a week. Well, you don't want to because you have respect for yourself. Yes, thank you. If you buy cheap wine yeah. and it's in a bottle, you feel classy. Yeah, because it is Run People out of that wine. drink out of goon bags cry while sometimes they're drinking cry, it. Though. No, they don't. They have a good time. And then she texts me sometimes going, oh, it's quarter past ten and the bottle shop's closed and I don't have any wine. And I say, well, this won't happen if you've got goon because goon never runs out. Well, sometimes we have a tough show. You know, we finish at ten o'clock. And there is a bottle shop downstairs, but by the time you get down there, obviously... Everything's closed. It's closed. Right. But if you had goon at home... If you know that you may need something, why don't you purchase it before... Yeah, I say that. Time. Yeah, you're masking the fact that you don't want to drink goon because you're both too snobbish. I'm not even masking it. I don't want to drink well, why goon. why don't you? have got a bloody two litres in the fridge with a little, great little button that you press. Oh, it's got a button. Got a little button <laughs> you press. Oh, well, that oh that's it. like it's got its own nozzle, man. Oh, a nozzle. Yeah, didn't you know that? It's alcohol equipment of people who think they're fancy because they've got an ice dispenser on their yeah. fridge. One triple three five three. If you can try and convince Alex, which I think will be harder of the two, because I think I've got Sammy X with the fact it comes with a nozzle. Yeah, but one triple three five three. If you're a goon aficionado, a gooner, <laughs> uh, give yeah. us a call now. One triple three five three, and uh, we will convince the girls that this weekend they can go out on the goon. You lost me when you called us the girls. Yeah, yeah. the gals. Thanks. What is this? Sorry, the Sheilas. I'm sorry. <laughs> In fact, I Googled it too. I Googled what is goon, and according to the internet, the greatest authority of alcohol, most people in Australia know about it. Many backpackers drink it daily. Goon is the general name for cask wine, and there are mixed opinions about goon, which is why I say to you on one triple three five three, how can you have a mixed opinion about something as great as goon? Can you be a gooner, sir? Call now. Goon!
be a goon. Give us a goon. Tell us goon. All right. So Sammy X doesn't know what goon is. Alex from the Big Smoke reckons she's too posh to drink it. Lee? Yes, mate, that's what you've got to do. You've got to splash out on an expensive bottle of wine, like 16 bucks or something. Oh, that expensive, right. And then you keep the bottle and you fill it full of goon. So they think they're drinking something or other and you're actually drinking fruity lecture. Yeah, see, I like what you've done here, but can I take the $16 bottle out of the equation because I just think that's unnecessary. Just go to the goon. How can they not understand the fantasticness of being a goonosaur? I just like sticking my head in the fridge straight under the goon button. Oh, stop it! It's like every day is New Year's Eve. Exactly. Brian? G'day, Phil. Fill me in on Goon Roulette. You've never played? No, how does it work? This is quintessentially Australian. What you need is a hill's hoist, four pack, four goons. You tie one to each corner of the hill's hoist, <laughs> stand under it and spin, and which goon stops closest to you, you have a swig out of the bladder. Wow, it's the ultimate drinking game, isn't it? Yeah, until, until the next day. Yeah, until you need to get your washing done. Exactly. Michael, you're a man who drinks goon sometimes. Yes, I am. And there is upmarket goon and there is bad goon. Right. So if you're drinking two litre goon, that's upmarket. Right. If you're drinking four litre goon, that's uh, when you're scraping the barrel. Yeah, but let's face it, we've all scraped the barrel at some stage, right? Well, that's when we go to the five or six litre. <laughs> Matt! Talk to me about Goon. You know what I'm talking about, brother. I am, mate. Yeah, I drink Goon. I also drink craft beer. Right. What would you say would be better of the two? You know, you go for the Goon just to enjoy yourself, a couple of drinks, you know, have a craft beer. You have about three craft beers, but you go for it with the Goon. Goes with everything, doesn't it? Goes with everything. Lee, you too are a Goon drinker. Can you tell and expouse the beauty of it to the girls? If you get the right one, it is fantastic. Our friends at Aldi do a great soap box. I think it's like 7 or $8 for two litres. You can't do any better. Diane, what is your goon story? If you go to a camping store like Kathmandu, you can buy plastic bottles for taking an outback camping. So right. You don't have to have glass bottles out there. Yeah. And, and I take my very nice Chardonnay and I pour it into these do-it-yourself goon sacks my children are absolutely horrified about because... You know, well, they should and do I, what their mum says. But anyway, yeah, carry on. <laughs> and I take them to the sporting fixtures, you know, like rugby or cricket or whatever. Yep. And I put my big-ass handbag and I've got this goon sack in the bottom that nobody ever sees. And it's great. I take my wine and who, who's going to look at me and say, she's smuggling alcohol? No, that's exactly right. You know what you want to do? And by the way, you've just won Mother of the Year and Australian of the Year. What you want to do is actually just glue a handle to the goon bag itself and you can just get away with the big ass handbag, just carry that and people will go, wow, that's stylish. And you can go, yeah, and look, it's got this handy little nozzle that comes with it. It's not that cheap-ass silver stuff, okay? You know. Yeah. It's a good bag. Yeah. Thanks, Diane. You're welcome. Have a lovely night. There you go, Sammy X. Not only is it fantastic to drink out of and lasts all year round with a little nozzle, and uh, the two-litre one is almost as good as the five-litre one, but you can also make a beautiful handbag out of it, right? I am not convinced. Oh, really? I'm going to stick to my... No, I'm going to stick to my $10 bottle of Jacob's Creek. Thank you. No wonder they won't give you a working visa for this game. (laughs) You may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. No!